thank you for what is uh, both a very timely, uh, you know, for what is a very timely talk um, in an unzeitgemäße manner huh, in the context of the current European reenactment of the 1930s that's going on. It's also a very uh, suggestive uh, uh, and productive talk, I think, in the context of Casco's uh, practice, both in relation to, for instance, the exhibition that's still on view upstairs, but also in, um, in relation to previous projects, such as one that was actually called New Habits, so in relation to your notion of the institution as ultimately amounting or revolving around the repeatability of, of practices and of habit uh, formation. Are there any um, immediate questions of clarification or desires for a kind of uh, little, little further uh, elucidation on this or that point um, to Stavros now? If not, then... Okay, then um, you know we can uh, go on with the uh, with the discussion. If there is no uh, need for uh, for <coughs> clarification uh, on a specific point, um, let me just perhaps try to now get a get a dialogue going between. I mean, there already is, uh, I think, implicitly, potentially a, a dialogue between your uh, presentations. Perhaps one way of of starting it is uh, precisely uh, to focus on um, the issue of uh, prefiguring prefiguration. Marina also mentioned uh, the model, um, uh, a practice that is uh, or functions as a model rather than as a political practice per se. And of course, there we also deal with uh, art and aesthetics. Uh, art, in a sense, being indeed uh, institutionalized, uh, being uh, perhaps uh, on the side, falling on the side of the social, if you will, social institutions, art institutions, and the aesthetic uh, perhaps having... Um, or, s or being on the side of the political dimension, oddly enough, even though the term, of course, also has very conservative uh, connotations. But Terry Eagleton, also uh, writing about uh, aesthetic theory in the late 18th and 19th century, has argued that the aesthetic came to play such a crucial role in philosophy with idealism and after idealism precisely because the aesthetic experience seems to uh, embody, if you will, a residually common world. That was his term, a residually common world. And then, of course, this residually common world can indeed always be defined in very limited and uh, exclusionary manner. So art as property of the bourgeoisie or art as being the art of a certain Volksgemeinschaft or a certain nation state. But there is indeed always also um, the aesthetic as um, uh, indeed something that can never ultimately be uh, contained by this or that institution, this or that habit, this or that uh, um, border or, or group. Um, so, um, Marina, for instance, uh, do you see, uh, how do you see um, the notion of prefiguring, of prefiguration, as Stavros used it in relation to um, your notion of prefigurative practice that you used in, in your essay, which, you know, you are not exactly uncritical of? Um, I'm just wondering whether we could... Um, sort of uh, get a sense of yeah the potentiality but also perhaps the the pitfalls of of a notion of uh, you know art or aesthetic practice as being a prefigurative practice mm, well i mean i guess yeah like i was sort of saying earlier in response to bina there's also an extent to which again the question of scale comes in because with in sometimes institutions and 
art projects are sort of deliberately blur the their boundaries, which I think um, this is sort of the proposition over the road has been explored very much um, in the recent recent um, months. Um, so also ideas of kind of self self institution um, and various kind of counter institutions that have come out of the space of art have been very much about sort of the political stakes of suspe uh, suspending or challenging the differences between um, artistic practices and institutions. But I guess also the whole institutionalization of art per se as autonomous and thus as having um, a particular kind of experiences associated with it, which I guess is what Ron Sierra is trying to sort of open up in his uh, relationship between aesthetics and politics, um, needs to come in here. And I think the mention of um, this kind of aesthetics being a sort of uh, plenipotentiary or kind of representative of a residually common world that Eagleton points to is interesting here because that's the position that art starts to occupy in a, in a modern capitalist society. It becomes the kind of repository of forms of experience which then become sort of eradicated from other spaces of life. So I guess I would say, yeah, while, while the aesthetic has a large role to play in as much as it's kind of like an experience of otherness or an experience at least conceptually of otherness, or materially, uh, in the sense of artistic materials. Um, in terms, in terms of prefiguring other kinds of forms of social relations or instituting, otherwise, I suppose it um, would perhaps first always kind of have to question the status from where it conducts those experiments or where it is enabled to conduct those experiments, whether as a form of experience or as a separated social space within a social division of labor. Um, so I, I think that's probably as far as I want to go <laughs> right now. Have any response to that or? Yes, um, I, I would say that um, there is a difference between creating utopias that are supposed to uh, prefigure and thus prearrange a, a future and creating in the here and now certain forms of indication that the future can be otherwise. This is an essential element of not only uh, art or expressive gestures, but also <coughs> of uh, movement action. Unless people are convinced that things can be otherwise, they can not, I believe, uh, actually participate in forms of challenging what exists. And this is true even in the most difficult periods. I recall um, um, an imaginary discussion, which I've read somewhere, uh, between Goebbels and Sartre. Goebbels said, okay, we have managed to crush most of the European uh, nations. There is no potential, there is no possibility of those people to resist because they cannot actually do anything else apart from trying to survive. And Sartre said in a different context, but not in a very far away in terms of time, people can only revolt or 
I don't remember exactly his words, only in case, only when they can imagine a possibility of things being otherwise. So the possibility of being able, uh, rather, the fact that you are able to compare what exists to what you have already seen in your life or you have imagined is always uh, an explosive material. It is always producing resistance uh, and uh, sometimes it produces new forms of uh, um, acting. And also one, one more thing, I'm not seeing uh, those acts as simply uh, prefigurative in terms of showing what might exist. They already establish something, they already produce something. For example, during this crisis in Greece, we have lots of <coughs> actions and initiatives uh, centered on providing help to the victims of austerity. Those are not simply prefiguring a different forms of social relations through solidarity, equality, and uh, you know, um, action from below, and so on and so forth. They are already doing something. They are already practicing solidarity. They are not only prefiguring a solidarity society. It, it goes much beyond, let's say, this uh, Stendhalian notion that Adorno loved to quote about uh, the work of art uh, or the aesthetic experience, for that matter, being a promesse de bonheur. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a practical term, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, yeah. Are there any questions at this point to either Marina or Stavros or both? Any comments that you want to make? Yeah, Maria? Thank you, the two of you, very interesting. Mm, more a comment to, to what you just said, Stavros, in terms of um, a revolt needing um, a feeling that there is something else which is possible, a belief that uh, something else is possible. Yes, of course, but at the same time today we live in a situation where preemption uh, is very strong. So the idea that things can be different is, is very much there, but it's in the negative. Uh, everything from insurance industry um, to market research to the Anthropocene. So I think that's an, a qualification maybe to make. And then uh, another thought in relation to the model that the model is as much to do with prototyping and thinking ahead as it is documenting what's already there. Lots of models are just um, looking back and reproducing things. Could you specify that perhaps? What are you thinking of when you're saying lots of models are just looking back and reproducing? Well, I think very concretely now about models the way we encounter them as, as, uh, as uh, maquettes, let's say. Um, maybe the most common maquette is the maquette which tries to reconstruct something which has been. But then it goes for other models in, in uh, society as well. Maybe we can think of it also in terms of Boris Boudin's retrotopia idea that in order to think the future there is a strong, strong tendency today to model it on the past. Um, no, I mean, I just... I just also feel like there's quite a lot of overlap between my thinking about the model and the prefigurative practice as both kind of trials or like tests or like yeah ways ways of 
trying something on a small scale without necessarily being able to dictate or imply a particular universal universal horizon, even if you would like to imply that in terms of um, figuring something. I guess the idea of figuring or prefiguring means to kind of materialize something you would like to see through practice, through action in the in the present. And I think that's probably also how I was think of was thinking of model of the model as a kind of form of activity. I think also, you know, it, it gets more interesting and, and productive, to use a horrible term, when, uh, you know, the model or the prefigurative practice does not, you know, pretend to prefigure some kind of, you know, utopia of magical unicorns, but when there are actually also moments of, of breakdown uh, of the senses. So if we think of the commons in terms of shared experience, but also yeah, the potentiality of experience and of shared experience, then of course that potentiality will never fully be realized at any given moment. So again, also thinking back of the exhibition uh, um, of thinking, thinking about the exhibition upstairs, uh, which I think, yeah, which I encourage those of you who haven't seen it yet to, to check out in the break or afterwards. There are these moments when people, you know, manifest their criticisms or displeasure in the show. So it's an exhibition that has also been worked over quite radically, uh, you know, throughout the two months or whatever it's been been on for. Um, so it now looks completely different, uh, you know, than it did in the beginning. Some might say, you know, by sort of conventional standards, conventional criteria, it's been it's been vandalized even. Um, and there are like notes, for instance, by people who are saying this commons is too abstract, right? Which <laughs> is them basically voicing their feeling of exclusion for whatever reason. Maybe they're not used to this kind of exhibition or, you know, they have different expectations of what an art institution would, you know, would put on, on view. Um, so indeed also um, shared experiences that do not really come about, that remain potentiality and actually also showing these moments and allowing them to actually be be there um, and not uh, you know quickly uh, getting rid of the traces uh, is actually also quite valuable I think in order to uh, when it comes to preventing this kind of let's say uh, prefigurative or model-like uh, practice from indeed becoming a kind of uh, uh, an exercise in magical thinking as you were saying earlier on. Is there, yeah, please. Yeah, um, okay, perhaps briefly Stavros and then Christian. Yes, yes. I'm not sure if I can formulate it, uh, but um, something I kept thinking about as the conversation and the questions are unfolding is if you could somehow um, um, uh, if there's a way to clarify um, how the commons relate to the the Hegelian concept and history with capital letters. So if it's something, you know, maybe you understand the question. How the commons <laughs> relate to the Hegelian concept as such? The yeah, Hegel? And, the, and history. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm too much competent on, on that. First of all, a small, a small um, uh, thing about uh, this idea that uh, knowing, knowing things that, that things can be otherwise can be also a blackmail. Uh, fear can produce the same effect. I think the, the, um, the problem is how to, to find out ways through which opening towards the future does not mean 
trying to preserve what exists. So, so fear wants to show you that things can be worse. Therefore, stay where you are. Be, be, be satisfied with what you have and so on and so forth. And one more thing. Perhaps Walter Benjamin's idea that we should look at the past not simply as something which has already finished, but something which is full of potentialities, full of, of different potential ways that have not ceased to exist, is a, a kind of response to the problem of seeing the past as, 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 as a place where uh, you can only go back in reconstructing what actually existed. And maybe this is an entrance to your, your question too. I mean, this idea that, that history is being shaped by forces which tend towards a specific end, which is already uh, easy to, to understand, not simply prefigure, but even to pre-establish. It's even more, uh, if you want, authoritative than the idea of prefiguring something which should exist the way a figuring or an image will uh, depict it. I think uh, commons would, uh, at least in the way that I think of it, commons and commoning should be a process that continuously opens history and not closes history, um, trying to direct it to a specific end, which is the, uh, the, the, the very happy community in which everybody is part of, uh, of a sharing world. No, I think in order to be able to establish commoning, you need always to invite newcomers, therefore to have a place in which new rules, new habits are being developed through these constant negotiations, which always define again what should be this common, what is the meaning of this common, and what should we share. Yeah. Um. Well, let's say like uh, open. <laughs> I was uh, rethinking or we re, uh, have new relation with the word open, like imagination. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, the word imagination uh, didn't address me for a long time. <laughs> but through different opportunities and also collaboration with uh, Maria on uh, Gwangju Pioneer, we we revisiting a notion of imagination. But... Like opening feels also the same. <laughs> so how to genuinely take up this notion of opening in time and space. And in order to think, uh, feel genuinely, I cannot but think of what prevent or what uh, obstruct opening. So one, the state institutions and other uh, art institutions, as we can speak here. So if art enable uh, us to be open to future, open to others, there is something that disable us to have that experience. That's one in relation to art institution. And other state institution also obviously doesn't allow, I mean, also <coughs> in terms of future, like uh, Lazarato talking about the future is already there as not something surprise, something that we need to, it's not something we need to open because we already know. It's a place where we need to pay the debt. Uh, so how, how, like, what kind of institution do you see in which that we can constantly generate these openings? 
and how these openings can uh, struggle or how this opening can uh, can gain power in relation to those uh, obstructive institutions. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, was that uh, was that a question for Stavros or for Marina or for? Obviously, this is not uh, an easy thing to describe, but uh, I tend to use examples, and we have uh, fortunately we have lots of experiences, lots of movement experiences, on the on the area of commoning and the the dilemmas and the problems of commoning. We already have. The, those experiences. One example, the grand example, of course, is the Zapatistas. Opening towards the future means for them devising new kinds of institutions which allow people to participate through rotation of duties, through equality between women and men, through the destruction of the process uh, in which the army could possibly uh, impose its rules on the society and so on and so forth, even though it is a liberation army. All these are artifices, if you want, through which we devise ways to open the future. They are not simply um, imposing an example of what a society should be on a certain uh, uh, network of communities. They say that asking we go. Eh? That means that certain things we know, but certain things we are open in order to find how it is. We know the problems from the past. We know, for example, that the idea of avant-garde has produced nightmares, but we don't know what it means to have horizontality and at the same time forms of mediation which are sometimes necessary in order to be effective. And the fact that they are, for example, refusing to be as effective as it can be by imposing a rotation, every, a rotation of duties every less than a month which means that in terms of management, that's the most absurd idea that has ever been devised. Eh? But at the same time, they say, we don't really care about the effectiveness of this process. We don't really care about if the administrative work is the most, um, uh, the most effective one in this case, but we value more the fact that all of our people are educated in governing. So they participate in this process through which all of us are educated in government. So, uh, to say it in one word, the only forms of institutions that can guarantee an <laughs> opening as a process are institutions which, which explicitly um, uh, obstruct any accumulation of power, any kind of accumulation of power. And this is an active process. This is not something that you do once and for all. This is a process that you must repeatedly uh, uh, invent because power as a form of discrimination, as a form of hierarchy and so on and so forth, always emerges in very different environments, even inside the movements, the, the, the occupied factories, the, the solidarity initiative. So you need to devise artifices of limiting the accumulation of power. And how do you do this? The ultimate goal, I would say, of commoning is the sharing of power. We need to share a lot of things, but the most important, and perhaps the precondition of all the others, is the sharing of power. There's no space outside power, of course. I'm not saying that we should eliminate power and live in a, in a society of uh, 
of uh, angels, no. But we need always to devise forms through which we eliminate the possibilities of any kind of accumulation of power. I think also this kind of question of openness and and commons, and especially, I mean, the example of the Zapatistas is a good one, that the kind of the question of limiting the accumulation of power also means, can also mean, in some ways, limiting limiting the openness to agents that introduce power or power relations. So like, in just in terms of self-defense or kind of community self-defense, you know, the Zapatistas caracolas are probably are open, but they're not open to the Mexican <laughs> Mexican military. They're not open to the Mexican police um, and other to the paramilitaries and and other agents who would seek to undermine and destroy the structures of of <coughs> commonness and openness within that. So I guess that would kind of be my question: whether you can have this. I mean, obviously, practically you can't, but whether you can make a separation between enclosure in every sense. Enclosure may be taken as a closing of the community to the extent that it defends its ability to expand, perhaps. Um, as, as opposed to enclosure, which is the establishing of, of property rights, I guess. I think as uh, the moderator, but also as uh, the German in this company, I, sh I should <laughs> perhaps point out that we're running out of time and that we should probably uh, start to uh, wrap things up. Um, do we have time for some final questions? Yeah, do we have? Okay. Uh, my question was regarding this uh, issue of openness and um, I'm going to take up this um, example that you made of Zapatistas. Um, when I've uh, when I make a revision of all these examples that uh, you mentioned that uh, there exist, I, I I sense this kind of parado paradoxy um, paradox um, that uh, in most of the like the most radical experiences of commoning, especially in politics or also in communes, uh, which are like this kind of everyday uh, kind of commoning experiences. Um, um, there is there is like a like a limited openness that sort of gives the radicality to the movement it's 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 very paradoxical but um it's it's a, uh, it's a bit like what uh, you were saying about the caracoles no like it is it, there is an openness on this kind of reinvention and and questioning inside the group uh, but there is also like a closure to the outside, which gives also a kind of power or, or force to the to the commoning process, and and I think it uh, it happens in many of the collective projects or uh, when you talk with the people that are involved in these kind of processes. So um, yeah, I would like to know what you think about this kind of paradox uh, that it's there, and also um, <coughs> taking up this uh, thing that uh, we like the prefigurative. Um, practices um, like to what extent is also kind of mm, these principle like uh, Chantal Mouffe, it reminds me a lot of Chantal Mouffe's proposal of agonal politics like as if dissent or as if the possibility that things can be 
all, uh, um, different always as as a as as a basis of commoning. I I find it a bit questionable because I feel that there's missing like this kind of common project like dissent, agonistic politics. Um, sometimes uh, in a I don't know in this kind of uh, you know, liberal politics, individualistic, uh, autonomous politics. Uh, um, yeah, sometimes I think it, it it also undermines organization and and commoning, uh, yeah, projects. So. Yes, um, just a few things. I, indeed, Marina is right. Uh, there is a different level on which we can we can talk. We can talk on the level of of values and and and, and, and targets, and we can talk uh, we can talk on the level of contingencies. This is uh, based on historical contingencies, specific struggles in specific contexts. So on that on the second level, of course, <coughs> sometimes uh, commoning communities have to barricade themselves against invasion. But what I try to say in this direction, and being inspired exactly by the Zapatistas, and I would give you also an example from the Sidagma Square occupation, we might indeed do that. But we have to realize that this is not in our direction. Th we are being forced to do that. This is not our values. We are trying to do that in terms of somehow um, protecting ourselves. Like the Zapatistas say, we are in an army, but we don't want to have armies. This is a period in which we have an army, but we are against having armies. The same, at the same time, they say, we are not establishing an autonomous area outside the Mexican state. We do not establish our communities against those others. We want to include them. They choose to fight us and stay outside. They choose, like this, the and we had the same experience, for example, in the, the Sidagma Square occupation. The police attacks had exactly this, 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 this uh, uh, scope, this target, to limit, to enclose. Sidagma Square occupation, and, and I imagine most of the uh, um, Occupy movement uh, incidents had the same character was actually a, an osmotic event, an event that was, from its very uh, beginning, was expanding. And it is this quality that was mostly, mostly uh, understood by the police as, as threatening. So when we barricade ourselves, let us not forget that this is because they attack us and not because we think that we want to create enclaves of otherness, barricaded, and distinguished from the rest of society. It's a power outside us that forces us, and let us not forget that this is only temporary. Otherwise, what they will do is suffocate us in those enclaves that we enclose ourselves. In which one? In the Zapatistas or the, uh, the Stagma Square? <coughs> no, I think we should keep the pores open. That is, we should keep the process of osmosis in in, in uh, as a process, and let's, for example, in, in the in the square of of Sidagma, we could, we know f we had the, the experiences of of uh, other kinds of urban struggles in which we have to you try to 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 preserve your stronghold, 
the Sedagma Square occupation had this power for the first time, uh, at least in my experience. This power to invite people, to be able to, to integrate, to, to include people, and this was the power of this occupation. The fact that people felt that they could be part of it without being uh, addressed or uh, without being assigned certain roles. And it is this that we try to preserve, although the attacking, uh, let's say, security or whatever forces uh, tried to limit it. So trying to preserve it as osmotic. Of course, there were some people in the movement who thought that this is a nice case, again, of creating a stronghold, the autonomous whatever, uh, or the black bloc people. They said that let's, let's barricade ourselves in Sedagma Square and, and fight with the police. I think this was not the power of Sedagma Square occupation. And this is the, the, the historical uh, innovative uh, aspect of the Occupy movement, and that they were always expanding. They were uh, potentially areas of osmotic relations. They were not, they could not include everybody, of course. I'm not talking about uh, the liberal utopia of, of everybody participating. I'm talking about a virus-like, if you want, process. I think so, yes, overflowing the boundaries, always overflowing the boundaries. And also it's, it has to do, it performatively, it creates new ideas about yourself as a member of a movement or whatever. I'm not the center of the world. I'm not the center of, I'm not the avant-garde. I'm trying to do some things and potentially people have other ideas which are better than mine. In the same, of course, direction, not in the direction of sustaining what exists. So it also has a pedagogical, if you want, relation. It's a, it's a way of understanding education. And last but not least, art. But I think it's, it's a process that has to do with, with, with the forces that you try to use against what exists. These forces are based on the fact that we are many and we are different. We are not the chosen few. One final short question and then short answer. So perhaps first of all, I would like to know if I understood correctly um, that you said that a responsibility of art or its agency to what it extends is to um, not cause revolution, but at least show uh, a different form of imagining things, uh, to, to, to say things could be different and therefore people can't start imagining and acting differently. Is that correct? More or less. That's a short, brief, <laughs> concise no, 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 answer. No, 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 because then, then I would actually like to propose something differently since you're referring to to Adorno, uh, Benjamin, and Rancher, and um, I find very problematically, or very problematically, I think their notion of critique and the methodology that stems from it um, actually never goes beyond say, just saying, okay, it could be different, so uh, there are no tangible consequences. And actually, I think they very often just cause that art is set apart from what actually happens in society. Um, and I'm thinking of, of what I had been looking for, reading about communist aesthetics and coming here, is something 
to imagine something similar as what they're doing at Goldsmiths with forensic, archi forensic architecture, in which they looked very close, uh, very closely at how uh, violence is is how true. Or well, first of all, they also work within this extended notion of aesthetics, in which you, you don't only look at taste, but more um, how truth is being constructed, which is something that's been coming more and more to the foreground in the past ten years, not only in art but also in say scholarship on on Kant, where of course this this notion is coming from. So forensic architecture works within this, this extended notion of aesthetics, but then looks very closely at how truth about violence is uh, constructed in court and is proven in court and used exactly those methods of forensics to then um, invert this, this forensic gaze to against uh, governments, against institutions. Um, so, and I've been, I'm, I've been reading a lot of Foucault in, in this sense of looking for a slightly different method, method different from what the Frankfurt Schule has done, different than what uh, the post-autonomia movement has done with Nadrian Hart. And in his Birth Biopolitics, and just slightly before an essay on what is critique, um, I think he, he um, has read very closely Kant's aesthetic theory, but then has come to study, uh, or at least took the first steps of studying the dynamics of capitalism and how truth is being formed in, in the logic of competition, to what he intended to do is use that as a method to counteract. And I, I'm not really sure if he succeeded in this, but it was actually interesting to know if anyone, you know, drawing out this different trajectory in, in which you could, uh, in which you can conceptualize communist aesthetics, if anyone would have any thoughts on this. Uh, intervention. Uh, part of me thanks you. Part of me curses you because I think <laughs> that would, this does, uh, you know, this does require a substantial answer. Um, is anyone? Does anyone feel uh, challenged to try to provide one? Um, I I will just say very briefly, I think, uh, and then pass it to Stavros. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I think um, the kind of issue issue that you raise with the Frankfurt School doesn't doesn't really apply universally, particularly to Benjamin, who was writing the author as producer, for example, and was much more kind of interested in how culture could be one of the sort of um, forces of social change, so um, the change in productive forces and relations of production. Um, perhaps um, then either um, Adorno for Ranciere. I mean, per it's it's slightly different matter, but it's certainly related this inoperativity of art. Um, and then I'm thinking about forensic architecture, and I was sort of also quite interested in like which moments in the way of their activity should be or are being located in the space of art and aesthetics. Aesthetics, yes, perhaps, or the space of art, which are kind of two, in a way, you could say are different moments or different spaces. So aesthetics being something about like much more sort of about, about sensory experience and how that registers in different fields. 
and the kinds of truth that it can lead to, as you were saying, the kinds of truth it can make visible. In terms of art, that to me seems like a contingent institutional space, which in a way is needs to be approached from a different, um, you know, with, with not with this kind of set of philosophical tools, with maybe more kind of sociological tools, like why does this work turn up in an exhibition or an art catalog? And then why does it turn up in court? And what do these different spaces mean? If they're not, if they're not just kind of spaces where the aesthetic is performed differently. All right. Uh, well, if right now I'm distinguishing one as a kind of mo mode of experience or philosophical sort of register, and the other as an institutional site, which is historically contingent. Um, now. Well, I, I'm not sure that we should ever speak about communist aesthetics the way that we speak, for example, uh, about Marxist aesthetics or whatever aesthetics. It's not a brand, uh, in a brand new name, a brand new type of aesthetics. It's a different way of reformulating the problem of uh, creativity, expression, and what it means to go beyond what exists. This is, at least in my mind, um, the relation between commons, the idea of commoning, and art as we know it. I think commoning processes should reinvent art. It's not simply sharing what exists. It's reinventing what it means to go beyond existing common worlds and what it means to try to explore those potential worlds. This is how I understand uh, aesthetics. And this is why I relate it to this idea of, of the, the partition of the sensible, because aesthetics has to do with what you feel. Uh, aesthesis, as you know, has to do with feeling senses. So, um, uh, communist aesthetics is actually, it's even sometimes uh, a contradiction in terms if you, if you think that aesthetics is part of a well-established area of philosophy or a well-established area of, uh, of uh, practices. It's, uh, it should explo explode these distinctions and we should uh, introduce to it new, new ideas. And also, I just one, one, one remark, I agree with Marina, Adorno is quite different from Benjamin. I wasn't implore, uh, using Adorno at all in my discussions. I simply hate the elitist uh, nuances of his aesthetics, although he's a brilliant uh, thinker. Uh, we should accept that, absolutely. Um, so, yes, of course, lots of practices are devoted on, on exploring how Actually, capitalism is producing itself, reproducing itself, and I do not uh, think that this is not uh, necessary. I, s I simply want to say that uh, many times the anarchist and the uh, leftist movements and the Marxist theoreticians and the anti-capitalist theoreticians have devoted lots of their efforts to describe what exists. We need more effort in describing what can exist. Uh, you know that point seems to me uh, to be really crucial that we're not talking about competing brands, uh, but indeed about uh, uh, I, I would say ultimately compatible, uh, um, or certainly not incompatible perspectives, um, different approaches to ultimately the same problem. Because what does uh, you know forensic aesthetics and forensic architecture? What do they do if not uh, opening up uh, spaces, opening up spaces for? Uh, debating these very specific uh, cases, unpacking them very meticulously, and then 
No, no, sure, sure. So yeah. What are the yeah. 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 Yeah, I think perhaps one difference between, um, um, let's say, these different perspectives or different approaches is that perhaps, um, you know, with forensic uh, architecture and forensic <laughs> aesthetics, the focus is indeed more on certain tangible consequences in um, addressing this or that issue. Perhaps with uh, We Are the Time Machines, with communist uh, aesthetics, the focus is more on uh, indeed, um, um, you know, infrastructural uh, practices on uh, uh, translation also indeed in the social sense, uh, combining, uh, bringing together different groups. For instance, um, um, the Zapatista-affiliated uh, Carter Invertido group uh, being very um, um, active in this uh, project. Um, and so um, I would say that uh, the practical consequences to me, at least from me as a sort of semi-outside uh, observer, if you will, um, in, um, in this context are very much about, um, um, basically indeed about um, social formation, about uh, forms of subjectivation, of trans-subjectivation, rather, um, um, yeah, rather than the focus being on, let's say, investigating a, a certain case in uh, uh, Palestine or what have you. Here, I think in this context, it would probably more be a matter of um, getting actively involved with a certain uh, group um, that's active in Palestine and trying to develop their practice in conjunction with um, our practice. That's how I would very sort of bluntly, crudely perhaps um, sketch this uh, a difference in approach and in perspective. So in a sense, it is a more imminent approach, I would say, a more imminentist perspective. Uh, whereas um, with uh, forensic architecture and forensic aesthetics, it is more a case of going out there and, of course, collaborating, but on the basis of investigating a certain case. Here, in a sense, the process of coming together, uh, of developing a project, is the investigation. The, the, the investigation is strongly imminent, an imminentist. But uh, we really have to uh, ha take a break now, uh, perhaps as a sort of closing word uh, that uh, you know, opens it up even further for the second panel. Upstairs, there's a couple of Zapatista paintings, actually. And on one of these Zapatista paintings, there's the familiar phrase, the familiar expression, another world is possible. And uh, what we're trying to come to terms with here, I think, an answer is the question whether or not another art and or other forms of aesthetic practice are possible. And uh, those questions will be developed in a more concrete, specific manner during the second panel. Thank you.